Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. Hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Etcetera Show. I'm here with Paul and Joe, and already Joe's laughing at me. What's going on, Joe? I was laughing at Paul. He's making oh, okay. a silly face. He's been doing usually, it for years. Usually I'm the one who gets laughed at, so this is a good thing. So, hey, uh, tonight we're going to just have some fun talking about the upcoming Hall of Fame Festival and the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, it's a bigger event this year. And I thought, man, we, I got to bring on one of my coworkers, Chris Bevan, the sports editor for the Canton Repository. Chris, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. How are you? Good. Thanks for the invite. Uh, looking forward to tonight. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I got to say, I mean, I'm a Canton guy by heart. I worked with the Independent and Alliance Review for a while. I covered the Hall of Fame for Alliance. So I'm familiar with the Hall of Fame, but haven't been there for a while. And it's going to be kind of a crazy year this year, right? Because we're having double enshrinements. It's probably a year like none of us have ever seen before. Yeah, this will be unlike anything other. Uh, they were hoping that would be the case last year when they were going to do the centennial class. But you know, obviously the pandemic uh, intervened and it uh, pushed everything back to this year. And so you're going to get the, the, the double the double enshrinement with the, the one group going in on Saturday and the other on uh, Sunday. And, you know, you still have the Hall of Fame game, which this year I think is a great matchup uh, mm-hmm. with, the, with the Steelers and Cowboys to, to add to the weekend and, and all the other festivities that go on. So I, I think as, you know, people try to start doing some of the more normal routine things of life, for, for Stark County, this is probably the number one thing that's normal come the uh, first week of August. Yeah, definitely. And we're taping this on Wednesday, July 28th. I, I think the actual festival starts this weekend, right, the balloon stuff? Yeah, yeah, there's some of the, the early events that, that go on, uh, the balloon, you're correct. And then, I mean, it really gets rolling with the Hall of Fame game, Yeah, which will be Thursday. Uh, boy, I should know the date. I want to say August 5th. Um, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, the August 5th, the Thursday. And then the next night is the gold jacket dinner. There's also a fashion show earlier in the day. Um, and then that Saturday you have the parade, the, the, the one enshrinement that goes on. And then that Sunday uh, there's the round table, which is uh, – Always a, a great event. That's for the I think I think the Hall of Famers themselves like that the most because they're yeah. more informal. Um, they're able to tell stories, and uh, obviously, you know, some of those guys are great storytellers. And then on uh, Sunday is the enshrinement. Sunday night, the enshrinement for the 2021 class. And you know, beyond the big numbers of these two classes, I think there's just a lot of great, uh, you know, popular players going in with guys like Peyton Manning and Charles Woodson and Calvin Johnson from the 21 class, and then. The Centennial 20 class where you've got uh, Troy Palomalu and Bill Cower and Jimmy Johnson. And then, you know, I, I was really excited to see them add in 
the uh, the Centennial guys, many from like the seventies, the guys I would have grown up watching. I'm fifty three, so you know, watching even though I was a Browns fan, you know, Donnie Shell was was a beast. Yeah. Uh, actually, when I started working in Canton, I couldn't believe it wasn't the Hall of Fame. I mean, when you when you're a kid, I'm like, oh, that guy's a Hall of Famer. Uh, Drew Pearson, Cliff Harris from the Cowboys. Um, you know, those were guys that that I always assumed. I was watching Hall of Famers when I was watching them in, in their era. So I think it's great to see some of those guys going. Harold Carmichael, that's another one. I, Even though uh, he was an Eagle and I didn't really have any connection to the, the Eagles, just this big dude out there. He had the catch streak. I, I remember there was a weird trophy they made for him at one point. Yeah. Hall of Fame. Um, and obviously being a Browns fan, that's a streak that Ozzie Newsome eventually mm-hmm. broke. But uh, you know, I was a big Harold Carmichael fan as a kid just because this tall dude wearing a quarterback's number playing wide receiver that was you know in in that era before they did the weird numbers that that was pretty cool um what do you think about i mean obviously we had covid last year so you know nature got in the way and you know here we are with the double enshrinement is that causing more excitement is it i mean i hate to say fatigue because i don't think it's that way I mean, double the number of people. You think people are more revved up about it, or is it just kind of like, wow, it's a lot? I mean, it seems to be like, – how's Canton reacting to it? Overall? I think it's more more revved up just because, like I said earlier, just this is kind of one of those normal rhythms of life things. Yeah. You know, August comes, the NFL season starts in Canton with the Hall of Fame game, which almost every year has been the first preseason game of the year, and, and then the enshrinement to kind of look back and honor the past. And then bang, football season's off and rolling. You know, and in, in Ohio, the, the high school practices can start Sunday. So, you know, you have that going on August first. You got college's team, you know, college teams revving up and uh, you know, everything's full steam ahead at that point. So I, I think there's excitement every year in Stark County for this. Um and, and last year that was missed. And and obviously just everything was off last year because of the situation and you know, the high school football season being abbreviated, same for college. So I think this year there's that excitement that this is kind of normal stuff coming again. And then just because of the pure size of this class, the span of it with, you know, you, you're talking about guys that's careers began almost a century ago uh, in, in some cases <clears throat> up to guys that played in the 2000s, like, you know, Manning and Woodson and Johnson, who are still very relevant to, to, mm-hmm. to even younger play, people and players. So, yeah, you have that. And then I think even though it's, you know, it's not a thriller of a game, it's, it's often a, a terrible game. But, right. but the fact that it's the Cowboys and Steelers, uh, I don't know that they could have got a better matchup. Even if the Browns are playing, I, I still think, I mean, this is, again, going back to my own childhood, you know, my yeah. earliest Super Bowl memory is that Cowboys-Steelers and Lynn Swan making those catches and, uh, you know, my uncle saying awful things about the Steelers. Oh. Just, you know, just, just, I mean, to me, that was football, the Cowboys and Steelers. You know, they met twice in those Super Bowls and then played again in the 90s. So I think it's just, you know, set up to, to be a big weekend and, and something that I'm sure the NFL itself is excited about, but but in particular, Canton. It's not the Hall of Fame's fault because it's where the game falls. But I think it's funny, Chris, though, because we always get rubbed up for the Hall of Fame game. Um, you know, Paul, Joe, and I do a Steelers podcast, so we've got interests, obviously, in this game even more than other games. But it's funny, as revved up as we get, and the country is getting about this game, as you said, it's usually not the greatest game because stars don't play that often. Uh, it's funny how everyone gets revved up and kind of gets to play at the same time. So 
I think it's what's neat for the local community is the fact that, all right, this is the stadium where every yeah. year I go to watch McKinley play or in the past Timken. And this is a stadium that, you know, on the weekends is, is hosting even, you know, peewee games. And, and you look on the field and I know for me as a, a reporter slash, you know, somebody who grew up a football fan. I remember when the Steelers played here, I, it was against the Browns actually the first game back and I'm on the field mm-hmm. and I'm looking, I'm like, I'm looking at Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin, you know, out here in Fawcett, you know, at the time Fawcett Stadium. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, Aikman, I'm like, Troy Aikman is doing an interview in the end zone mm-hmm. of Fawcett Stadium. That, you mm-hmm. know, that's cool. And, and uh, you know, I think for younger fans that don't get as wrapped up in the meaninglessness of, a, of an NFL preseason game, I, I remember as a kid being extremely fired up for that first game. Oh, it yeah. didn't matter. And obviously they took it a little more seriously in the 70s when – you have starters playing in the third quarter inexplicably in one of six or seven preseason games. It's kind of remarkable they didn't have more injuries. But, um, you know, as time has worn on, you, we've we've seen that, that not many people play. But in some ways, maybe that's good. It, it's helped uh, remind people how pointless these games are so we can shrink the preseason and, and yeah. play more games that matter and, and have less risk to, to stars. But it's still neat. And, and you, know, I, you know, Tom Brady – I think his first game would have been in a, mm-hmm. in a Hall of Fame game, yeah. uh, his, his rookie year with the Patriots. And, you know, there's, there's local stuff. I remember Kenny Peterson of the – I think he was with the Packers at the time playing yeah. as, as – uh, might have been in his rookie year as well. And then I, I really remember a few years ago, Reggie Corner, who was a guy I covered at McKinley when I covered Camp McKinley football and was an outstanding player and a really good track athlete, played basketball. He was a guy you knew had a chance to, you know, maybe make money playing sports. And sure enough, he shows up in a Hall of Fame game and has a pick six for the Bills at his home, you know, former high school stadium. So you get you get weird moments like that once in a while that are pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Paul, Joe, feel free to jump in whenever you have something to ask. Um, well, I'm just thinking, I'm looking forward to seeing Roland Rivers light it up in the fourth quarter. That's, that's oh, yeah. a highlight right there. <laughs> You know, one of the, the one of the things we often do at the repository is we start combing the rosters, and we're like, "All right, who are these guys we haven't heard of that might have a good story or, or have ties to our area?" Because you know, mm-hmm. there could be some small college guy or whatever that's getting his crack uh, in the third and fourth quarter. In the years that I lived in Canton during uh, college, uh, I just remember the mad rush of people coming into this small town of Canton, Ohio during this weekend. And it's being absolute madness for an entire weekend. So I remember that for several of the years that I lived in Canton, when this would happen, this was my weekend to get out of town. Not that I wasn't a a football fan or a sports fan. I just was never a fan of how crowded everything got for what, you know, at the time it was probably only maybe a long weekend, but now it just stretches, I think even longer. So it just makes it a very difficult place to live when it's normally a small town. This is a lot of people coming in at one time. Yeah, yeah it does. It does get pretty hectic. And I think they, they realized that when they kind of scaled back a few years ago, because it had gotten to the point where it was a, a two week thing going on. And I, and I think somebody used the word fatigue early on. I think there, was, <laughs> there was that it was like, man, getting to the, getting to the end of this is a crime. Um, so I, I think they've done a good job of, of curtailing that to an extent. Um, 
And, and I think that there's there's the goods and the bads with that because I know usually one night the group of us at, at the repository would like to try to get out when we had a chance and yeah. just you know you'd be out with all the you know, just come people watch and right. then you always hear this the stray story of a of a possible former Hall of Famer behaving badly somewhere so. <laughs> There was uh, no names on those, but there was always those, <laughs> those secondhand reports of so and so doing what you know, whatever. But uh, you know that always that always made it fun. Those kind of stories that bigger cities have a better system to sort of keep those things hush hush. <laughs> exactly, we're more used to the misbehavior. That's right. New York, it's just a Friday night. Right, wouldn't be anything unusual for. You, know, you got to party hard. You got to go. Taggarts have three or four kitchen sinks, and you know, yeah, exactly. yeah, right. <laughs> the, you know, and I think the, getting wild and milking honey. <laughs> I, I think the the Rooneys are, are fans of Taggarts, if I recall. I forget really? which one, but one of them was, was a big big fan of Taggarts. I thought, and in, in, in particular, getting the uh, the Bittner. Oh, nice. Well, did you see a story? I mean. I work with uh, Chris on some digital stuff at the repository. Uh, the great Ed Bouchette, who was a longtime uh, Steelers beat writer at the Post Gazette, and he's now off the Athletic. He took some shots at Ken. He said, "You know, he's a member of the writers' wing of the Hall of Fame." He said he didn't want to go back; it was way too busy. He'll go back in, in non-Hall of Fame week stuff. And I almost wrote a shots fire article, you know, kind of calling out Ed Bouchette, but. <laughs> I I, I, I would totally understand. Yeah, I would totally understand that. It'd be a much it would be a much more relaxed place to come and visit and enjoy everything that Ken has to offer when there isn't, you know, four times as many people in the city. Yeah. Do you guys see that? Um, Chris, I I come to Hall of Fame. I think the first time I ever covered it was the year that Don Shula got inducted, and sadly for us, you know, Mike Webster was great to see him being inducted, but they literally found him in a bus, and he was in great shape when he was inducted. But the one thing that I always found fun from that week was the guy I was writing with, we actually stood in the hallway, and all these Hall of Famers walked right by us. It was back when the the thing was set up in the front of the hall. It was before it moved over to the stadium. Sure, sure. And it was, I mean, you know, Gail Sayers walked by. There was like 40 guys, and we had to kind of, keep our journalistic hats on, but inside the kids and us, like, you know, holy crap, scale sayers and all these other people. Have you had that experience before? I mean, you talked about Donnie Shell. I mean, obviously, as a journalist, we can't, you know, drool and hug these guys, but have you had that moment with some of these football players that I'm sure you ran into over your career at the Rep? Oh, yeah, no, especially in, in the past years when it was the setting you're, you know, you know, was talking about when it was in the front of the hall. It, you know, it's obviously gotten a lot bigger, so yeah. it's not as intimate as it used to be. Um, I, I recall when they used to do the uh, interviews, and it was probably would have been when you were doing it as well. You'd yeah. have the, the availability in the cultural center. Oh, they yeah. just put up cocktail tables, and um, there wasn't a lot of media there. It was basically designed for, like, maybe out-of-town TV, mm-hmm. and they would let us cover it. And so, you know, you were right there face-to-face with, with, with whoever, I see. I remember talking to Howie Long. I think in one of them. Oh wow! Um, so, so you know that that stuff was was really cool. And, and actually, they were there was. I, I don't know if you guys remember this, but they'd always have it. I, I guess they still do it. The, the Grand Marshal, the parade, and it was kind of some years more of a B or C list person, but but sometimes you got a pretty good celebrity. I know we were all excited one year. It was R. Lee Ermy, the uh, drill oh, nice. from. Uh, 
from Full Metal Jacket. I mean, yes. I think any sports department in America is running Full Metal Jacket lines at some point during a football season. <laughs> so it was cool when he was there. But I did not get to see him. But the one I did get to see, I didn't go up and talk to her, but it was Linda Hamilton. Oh, um, yeah. There. And, you know, I like the Terminator movies. And it was pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. There was a, a, you know, a pretty big name uh, Hollywood star there. And, and uh, I think that was the year Howie Long actually went in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, stuff like that's cool. And, and just like you mentioned, the fan part. Uh, in addition to being a Browns fan, I was a big Dolphins fan as a kid. Mm. So, you know, I was excited to cover Dan Marino going in. You know, that yeah. was cool. I didn't really meet him or see him really up close or anything, but just, you know, the, a guy I had been a fan of as a kid going to the Hall of Fame, and he, he threw the pass that day uh, to, uh, geez, I should remember. I think it was Mark Clayton. It was either yeah. Duper or Clayton that he, yeah. that he threw it to. And, um, you know, stuff like that. And, and I know it wasn't actually at the Hall of Fame, but but one of those celebrity moments – that uh, was cool was, you know, in the run-up, we do interviews with these guys, and some of them are, are really good to talk to. I, I remember Billy Shaw gave me two hours on the phone. I mean, wow. I must have just emptied the notebook talking to him. <laughs> and, you know, some of the more modern, younger guys, they're giving you 10 minutes, and you can tell uh, on the other end of the phone they're looking at their watch. But mm. uh, one guy that was really cool that I talked to was Troy Aikman, and he yeah. called me in the morning before I got into the office. So he called me at home. And uh, I remember my wife was real excited that Aikman popped up on the uh, <laughs> caller ID. And, and we didn't we didn't clear out the caller ID. So really oh, yeah. stay in there for a while. Did was, you keep uh, her from like, did you keep her from calling him? Well, yeah. it wasn't a personal phone. It was it was okay. like a Aikman Industries or whatever his, his oh, business. Oh, okay. Was. So Fine. but it was still cool. So you know, that that type of stuff. It, it, it's you know, it's a neat privilege to have that happen. Good to hear. Um, what's the plans? What do you guys used to do to cover the enshrinement? I know it's going to be a little different this year with two days of enshrinements, and but you got that in the game. What What does the local paper do? How many guys do you send to cover a game or the enshrinements? Well, we're open to suggestions this year because this is going to be uh, unusual. We're still trying to figure it out. Um, you know, in the it's pretty much an all hands on deck type thing. So our staff, you know, like every newspaper in the country, has shrunk over the years. So it's not the bodies we used to have to throw at it, but you know everybody on the staff will will be at the events, and then I'll be back, you know, editing and everything. So you know we we send a couple guys to the game, and then we'll have you know four four guys at the uh, at the enshrinements, and somebody at the the dinners, and and you know the photographers. So we you know the the whole staff is available for this one. It's like a an MLB uh, playoff game, an elimination game where where the whole bullpen is is ready to go. Right. Yeah, because obviously you got game coverage, but you also have sidebars, I'm sure, and some other stuff happening with that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Steve Dorsick's one of our longtime writers mm-hmm. and a you know, really good Browns and NFL writer, and we'll probably have him doing columns, you know, most days from some of the events, and he's obviously covered these for a, a long time, going back to the to the 70s. And, uh, you know, we, we'll, we'll have door-to-door coverage from, from either sports writers or news writers. The, the whole staff will be involved. So it's, it's always a, a busy time, but usually a, a pretty fun time. Fantastic. Okay, I want to start emptying my head of, like, all family memories I have. And I'm in Columbus now. Oh, by the way, if we need an extra reporter at the Steelers game, I, I can cover the Steelers. <laughs> and I know I'm a little bit of a fanboy, but, you know, I – you know me, I do journalism. It shouldn't surprise you. There are fanboys in the press box sometimes. Oh, right, right. <laughs> well, 
I'll, I'll put this way. I'm a huge also Pittsburgh Penguins fan, and I covered the Blue Jackets for a year and a half, and I was alone interviewing Sid Crosby for a while, and I, I kept it calm. I mean, I didn't hug him or anything. I, I can keep it good, so if you need somebody, I, I'm in. It'll be good. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. Right. Yeah. You be be I, ready to go. If I were in there, my whole plan would be to hug everyone. <laughs> it would be very little reporting. It would be mostly hugging. That's not a very COVID-friendly thing. It's to not. Do. You really need yeah, to not yeah. send me. I'm just telling you now. And you do <laughs> those long hugs, which yeah, really long, really uncomfortable. Yeah, well, really past, well past any reasonable point in time where I should let go. Probably yeah. not. Probably not romantic, but at the same time, not. Hey, no we're swaying. boys. We're friends. No swaying back and forth. Yes. Just that good, strong, <laughs> you know, fair hug. Yeah, I, I don't know. So yeah, maybe that's a bad deal. Well, you know, we, we do these interviews all the time, and with being etc., we talk music, we talk movies, and I've asked this question. We're like, yeah, I'll think about it, and I never hear back. So, guys, I'm probably not going to the game. I I used to think, oh, they said yes, but no, you know how it is. So they did not um, say yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to put words in Chris's mouth. Come on, help me out. You're saying right. there's a chance. Yeah, there's a chance. Yeah. <laughs> I got as much a chance as Jim Carrey did in that movie. So. That's right. Oh, geez. Um, okay, so I'm trying to think of some fun stuff to happen. I was in the crowd. I wasn't covering it. Were you there for the Tommy McDonald Hall of Fame, Chris? You know, I was back in the office working on – I think I'd done something earlier in the day, but I remember uh, – I think we would watch it. I, I want to say one of the Access channels or something. That yeah. point. I don't remember that being on ESPN or anything. I think it was yeah. just like whatever – local tv was doing it so i you know i saw it and then we had a really good photo of him you know th that whole weekend i mean he was just electric <laughs> if you could say that about yeah. a guy that was i guess in his 70s by then yeah. um i mean he was just you would have thought he was going to run down on a kickoff during the hall of fame game i mean he was <laughs> he was full of energy and, and it was it's that's what does make it neat especially it's it's usually those older guys that had to wait um the, the, you could see that it, it means a lot to them. Um, not you know, not to say it doesn't mean a lot to a Peyton Manning or right. you know John Elway. You, you know, name your first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback, but um, you see it really mean a lot to those guys that had to wait, played in the, in the era where you know only you know football card nerds maybe would know who they were or, or whatever. You know, their own just their own town, and that's it. Right. But uh, they really light up when they're at this type of event. In case not everybody knows who he is, did he play in the fifties? I think Chris, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah he was he was a, an eagle mostly. He might have yeah. played with somebody else. Um, and he actually, I mean, you look at his numbers, especially when you consider the era he played in. They're, they're pretty good, and, and yeah. obviously that was an era of not the West Coast offense. So he's one of those right. guys that had a, a you know really good average for a catch. He was like a shorter, maybe a West Walker type or something. I'm just like a body size, maybe. Yeah, you're right. Body type that way, but you know, it, obviously, then it was really very, very vertical. Yeah, not to slot or anything. Yeah, no, yeah, that was fun. So, you know, he gets to the Hall of Fame as Chris said. He had to wait a while, and he got excited. I mean, he was running up and down during the parade and everything. And during the actual ceremony, uh, they give you or they show you your bust. You're excited. You take a look at that. Well, he actually picked it up and was throwing it up and down. <laughs> and thankfully, he caught it. I don't know. I mean, was there any word behind the scenes in you guys reporting of what happens if he dropped it? It could have shattered in a million pieces. You, you know, if there was, it didn't make it to me at that point. But I, 
I think they had just rolled with the punches and, and, and made do. I, I think he was setting the trend for uh, Tom Brady with the Super Bowl trophy this year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. What, what could you imagine? Maybe it would be more of a Canton story, national story, but well, and I guess it wasn't Twitter back then, but man, in the Twitter era, could you imagine if like, you know, Peyton Manning was throwing his bus up and down and dropped? And it, <laughs> I mean, my goodness. The bus, the, uh, those are supposed to last like 40,000 years, so that would get tested if they hit the pavement. Wow. <laughs> Wow. If it if it broke up, I say they just sweep it up into a little pile and put the pile where the bus was should go. <laughs> yeah, it would that's it's the just best story of right? uh, John Madden's ghosts talking to each other as well. That's does right. a broken bus speak? Yes, I imagine it, it does. It was, Usually, it says "ow," but yeah. <laughs> right after college, I was entering at the oldie station Alliance. I was in the news department. And I was more over in the alliance. I wasn't reading the rep as much at that particular time. But a huge story, it was the same summer of OJ's trial, where he, in his original trial, he got found innocent, obviously controversial. Some people didn't like it. And they stole his bus from the Hall of Fame. I remember that. Yeah, that yeah. was a big deal. Oh, yeah. I mean, like a lot of pre Twitter story. That would have been, <laughs> oh. people would have been going crazy because, if I recall, it got found on like 77. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, up near Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it was funny because Chris is right, and it's a pre-Twitter era. But you know, this was an oldies rock station where there's one news person, and she came in on the AM side to do news, FM side if the world was coming in, and the news director came in and said, "Hey, you're going to go on FM, talk to the DJ for five minutes every hour about what's happening, and give us updates, give us updates." And again. You know, I graduated in the late 90s, so, you know, we didn't have the tools. We didn't have Twitter check. We didn't, you know, crowdsource from Facebook or anything. And she literally was like, dude, I don't have much else to say. I mean, what else can we report on? This is every hour. He's like, oh, just talk about it. Our, our people love it. And it was funny, Chris. I'm embarrassed to say this. I actually mentioned this during a Gannett National meeting. I got stared at. People said, why did you do this? I thought it would be cool. I was in college. I was an intern. I was hoping to make my way in the um, the radio industry, which thankfully I didn't. There's obviously radio industry is having trouble too. But I tried to take a bus. It was whoever's bus was right by Simpson. I think it was like SRAM maybe of the Cowboys. I'm not sure uh, why. I don't know. He, he might have been in that class with him, actually, if, I, if I'm trying to remember. Yeah. He, he might have been in that Hall of Fame class. Yeah, because I actually took a friend with me. We were at uh, it was Jaguars Panthers. They were um, debuting, and uh, we right. covered a some banquet. They were trying to say, "Hey, we're the Jags Panthers. Look at us!" And they let all the media go across the Hall of Fame. Well, everyone else is like, "Enough of this. I'm going to bed." But we're like, "Hey, let's go around the hall." It was just us. I actually picked up the the bus, thinking how hard it would be to take it out. I actually stepped away for three steps. I'm like, "This is stupid," so I <laughs> took it back. So it was just nuts. I don't think yeah. you can get away with that today. Yeah, probably not. I couldn't believe you could pick Hopefully it up. Probably not. Well, <laughs> well, and that was a big discussion across the media. I'm sure you guys had this discussion at the rep. How did you get that statue when you talk about OJ outside the hall? This is not just like it's some dope like me who picked it up, ran two steps, and walked back. I wonder how he got out of the hall. You know what I mean? I think it's one of the failure of imagination type things because I don't think anybody thought anybody would ever steal a bust. Till it happened, so yeah. you know, there's you, you can always get away with something the first time if you're the first one to think of it and and, and have the the uh, 
courage, let's use that word, to actually yeah. try to pull it off. <laughs> <laughs> well, and even though OJ has remained controversial, he lost the case, he ended up going to jail, he's still in the hall. I, I'm not sure if you could do anything to lose your spot in the hall, Chris, right? Um, no, I mean, he didn't, so I, yeah. don't, I don't want to see anything worse. But, yeah. um, no, really, I can't think of any of the, the Hall of Fames. You know, they've obviously prevented people from getting in, but I, I can't. You know, off the top of my head, think of somebody that got, you know, tossed from a Hall of Fame. Well, you don't have the scandals. Like, you know, baseball, you know, the steroid scandal. There's a lot of discussion. Right, about right. Those guys aren't in. And, and, you know, Pete Rose, you know, they never let him in. Okay. okay. Here's one thing that bugs me. And um, Bob Stewart, longtime repository sports editor, was he on the original board of the Hall of Fame? No, that I'm unaware of. I mean, I know he wrote about it a lot. Okay. I believe he might have been – I don't know if he was sports editor at that point or just a uh, reporter, but I know he, you know he was very familiar with what was going on. Okay. Because I once mentioned – he used to come to our family reunions before he passed, and I used to tell him this, and he looked at me like I was swearing at his family. So, But we'll see if it goes <laughs> over here. I get bothered, and I understand what the Hall's trying to do. You want to have a new class each year. You want to – you want to appeal to different, you know, team fans and everything else. I, I get bothered a little bit. I, I agree with you. It's neat to see guys like Tommy McDonald, who hasn't gone in for a long time. He goes in the hall. He's excited. It's great to see his joy. But I hate how they make some of these guys wait that long. And it kind of makes me think to a further point, if you're waiting for 20, 30 years to get in the Hall of Fame, are you really a Hall of Famer? I, I, I don't mean to cause controversy. I just – I really struggle with that anymore. I, I think where it comes from is just when you think about the volume of players that play, yeah. and you're only putting in. in the, now it's changed recently, but in, you know, forever you were only putting in five or six a year. I forget what, what the range was. Or maybe maybe the range was four to six. I mean, you're just going to start backing up guys, yep. and you know, using that '70s as an example. You know, uh, you know, in that time period, you know, Donnie Shell, that that dude was a bad man. He was a Hall yeah. of Fame. You know, Drew Pearson, you know, his numbers in his era, he was one of the best wide receivers. And you know, Cliff Harris, I, I remember him just blowing guys up. Even you, you look at still photos of Cliff Harris, and you're like, God, you used to be allowed to do that, didn't you? Yeah. You know, yeah. We had a photo I saw that I was putting on the one of the stories that'll be on our uh, website next week. I mean. <laughs> He's just headhunting. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's the way the game was played then. And you could go even further. I mean, there's a, you know, a lot of guys that uh, still from that era that, that aren't in that people probably think should be in. So I, I just think it's tough, the volume of players. And, it, you know, it's just going to keep exponentially growing as the game right. continues on. You add franchises. And, and then you take into account the evolution of the game where now – you know, you got all these wide receivers with just ridiculous numbers. Yeah. How, how do you, you know, like this year, how do you differentiate between Isaac Bruce and, and, and Torrey Holt? I mean, they were both, you know, two of the best, um, but only one got in. And, you know, I know um, when Marvin Harrison had to wait, you know, especially wide receiver, you see that, that weight. And, and then you look at running back where the position has been kind of devalued. But when a guy's in his prime, he's the best player in the league for four years, you know. But is that, you know, Pharrell Davis being an example? I mean, mm -hmm. if you were watching him in his period, that was a Hall of Famer. 
Uh, Sean Alexander. I mean, I thought that guy was really, really damn good for for that three or four years. Right now, you got Anthony Henry. Um, you know, got guys like that. It's it's going to be interesting to see how that goes over over the course of time, especially as these guys realize with the after effects of the profession. Do I want to play 10, 12 years? Uh, yeah. You're going to have a lot more guys with that seven and eight year career. And in the case of running backs, where you're only in a prime for you know, four or five years, and then then, then then they're done with you and, and the next guy's in. But well, I, I think I, I get your point because you, you start wondering, you know, there's guys, I don't want to name names, but there's guys where I'm like, eh, was he a Hall of Famer? But then, you know, my own personal interest, I'm like, well, Clay Matthews, he needs to be in the Hall of Fame. And everybody's got their Clay Matthews. So, yeah. um, right. it, 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 it's you know, it's it's. I think that's what the Hall of Fame should do. It should have debates. Um, you know, I, I'm a big basketball fan. I couldn't believe it took until, you know, last year that Sidney Moncrief got in. That was my dude yeah. growing up. And I'm like, that was the best defensive player in the league for, you know, six, seven years, guarding anybody, any position. He couldn't get in the Basketball Hall of Fame until, you know, a couple of years ago. So I, I think that's what the sport's like. They want people debating this type of stuff. Well, and I guess if you, if you make the Hall of Fame or not, it's not – it's important, but it's not like – you know, it's not like a vicious crime has been committed against you. If you're in, you shouldn't be. Exactly. Married, or if you're not, you should be. But, you know, I, I hate saying this. And I, I probably shouldn't look at Paul and Joe as I say this. But, you know, hey, as a Steelers fan – yeah, you know, Troy Palmano. Yeah, I, I love the guy. I think he should be there. Um, you know, Bill Cowher. Hey, iconic Steelers coach. I like what he brought to the team. I like the the great running game and the great defenses he had. But he's won one Super Bowl. And I'm kind of thinking, what presence does that set? So does that mean Mike Tomlin is guaranteed Hall of Famer because he's already won one Super Bowl? I'm like, I'm with you. We've got a lot of teams out there. We need to put seven, at least seven guys in each year. You're going to have debates and everything, but I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I wonder about some of these picks, and even though I love Bill Carr, should he be there? That's a real gray area to me. I, I think it comes down to feel. I mean, did, yeah. it, did a guy strike you as a Hall of Famer? That's the big thing. I, I know that, you know, uh, watching baseball, it's like, you know, does that guy just – strike you as a hall of famer. Um, and I think, you know, when, when, when Cowher was coaching, um, you know, I think most people thought so. And, you know, he got yeah. out early. He could have kept, you know, compiling. Yeah, the wins. Um, and you mentioned the Super Bowl thing, and that's why I'm glad to see Tom Flores go in this year. Yeah. I mean, talking about a guy that, that, that won, you know, a couple of Super Bowls, you know, they had good, you know, obviously Marcus Allen had Howie Long, but I mean, they weren't blowing people away with their offense. Jim Plunkett was a, you know, solid quarterback, but nothing spectacular. He's not going to the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, he's he, so he's winning with him as his quarterback. He's got Al Davis breathing down his neck, probably sending him plays and doing whatever Al Davis did. So, you know, I, I'm glad to see a guy like that get rewarded. And, you know, even when we we're having this debate, I know the coach that didn't get in last year when they put in Johnson and and, uh, and Cower that I thought should have got in was Coriel. I mean, you're talking yeah. about one of the most innovative offensive minds. Did not win a Super Bowl, which is obviously why he's not in. But right. football is sure a hell of a lot better because of what he did in, in the stuff he was doing going back into the 60s. And, and then obviously throughout the, what he did with the Chargers, kind of reinventing the game. So I, I think 
you you have to look to try to get guys like that in. And, and you know, staying with the theme of this year, and and not to kiss up to the Steelers here, but I yeah. love the fact that that uh, Nunn is going in as a super yeah. scout. That yeah. guy, and, and again, it's a credit to the Rooney family that was way ahead of the game when there was people not going to HBCUs to find players and were just going the tradition traditional route to find their players. But this is a guy that that you know knew who John Stallworth was, knew who Mel Blount was, and Donnie Shell. And you know what? Shame on the rest of the league for not knowing that. They they deserved to have the 70s, you know, get run over by the Steelers because they weren't doing that type of stuff. You know, you only had, you know, the Cowboys were another team that were kind of ahead of the game and getting guys like Too Tall Jones and, you know, some of the smaller college guys. But, you know, I, I think it's great to see a guy like Nunn go in and recognize for his contributions of the game, even though he never scored a touchdown or made a block or made a tackle. I think that's that's good to see. How much do you think marketing plays a role? I mean, obviously, we're inducting Hall of Famers that deserve that have some deserving to be there. But it, it's funny. I'm a Steelers fan, and as soon as we had Cower, Palmanu, and the Steelers playing, I'm getting all these emails. Hey, come back to Canton, you Steelers fan. We're giving you a reason to be there. Uh, I mean, maybe if the NFL was smarter, and I know – Coward technically got inducted last year and Troy got inducted this year. But why not space them out so you get those Steelers fans coming every year? Um, it used to be teams can only play in the Hall of Fame a certain number of times. Now they kind of position more of what's the better game, which I'm happy about because the Steelers are playing. But it, it seems very different. Maybe I'm too much of a curmudgeon. Well, I think that there is the, the, there's two separate things: the, the game and then the the Hall of Fame class. The the class that's purely at the the whim of the voters. You know, the mm-hmm. Hall of Fame is just basically, you know, the site where it's going to happen, and then just the arbiter of information for the voters. You know, hey, so and so made X amount of Pro Bowl, whatever. Um, so so that you know that's purely up to the voters on on how that rolls. But I think they've made a smart decision in recent years because you know I I remember what you're talking about. I think of just rotated between one AFC team. So you weren't going to be in it every 14, 15 years. Same with the NFC. I think looking to matchups of who the fans are coming here and making it a better TV spectacle, that was a smart move because for all everything else they're going on, there's still a business. You want to sell tickets to that game where you know it's not going to be a very exciting game, but at least people want to see their team, um, you know, pass through and, and i think they're still doing a decent job of trying to rotate t- teams through but yeah you're probably going to see the steelers fairly you know regularly or the cowboys but you know, that's not a bad thing i mean there's a reason those two teams are very popular more fans want to see them than you know uh the, the jaguars i am going to lose paul and joe over this but we have a couple minutes and i need to ask about this since you brought it up mckinley this year and i'm sure he's a great guy i'm not blaming him at all and I'm not talking football pizza, basketball. Their best player on the team as well, probably in Stark County, was a kid named Kobe. I'm assuming they named him after Kobe Bryant, right? Uh, yeah, actually, I, we wrote about that last year when you know when Kobe unfortunately died in the, the, the helicopter accident. The, his, yeah. That day, McKinley was playing a game, and he switched his number. Whoa, uh, okay. He usually wore number zero. He, he switched it to 24, if I recall. But, yeah, I mean, there's obviously a whole generation of Kobe's out there right now. Well, and, you know, you're 53. You're going to be a sports player for a while. You think we're going to get more LeBrons in high school basketball in the next few years? 
Um, well, I mean, Akron's got a guy that's really good right now, uh, the Chris Livingston that's at Bookville right. High School. I mean, he's sounds like a guy that's two years away from getting paid or, or maybe a year away if he goes to high school and then does the G League thing that we're seeing guys do more and more. Well, but, I, um, I mean, th- there's never going to be another LeBron. But well, I, I think you're going to get – I think always in this area you're going to have elite power five future pros, especially at schools like St. V and – in the you know McKinley Maslin, the, some of the bigger city series schools. Well, I want Chris answer, just cares about the name, right? I want to ask more of a <laughs> That's all that matters, right? I want to ask more of a tongue-in-cheek question because I think there's a lot of parents out there in Northeast Ohio, and not to blame Northeast Ohio. Same thing in other parts of Ohio that they're like, oh, we're gonna have a baby son. What should we name him? And they didn't buy a baby name book, so the guys watching the Cavs game when LeBron was playing and said, ah, screw it, name him LeBron. I mean, so you think, yeah, there's not going to be a ton of LeBron caliber basketball players, but you think we're going to see a lot more kids named LeBron oh, than oh, basketball? Well, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, look at the, the the just the way that's gone. There's all the Shaquille's. You know, yeah. I remember those started rolling in about a decade or so ago. You know, I think it was ESPN did that great thing about the, the Jalen generation because of yeah. Jalen Rose. Um, you know, anytime there's a unique name attached to somebody that's super famous and super successful uh you know that that route's gonna go so and well, i mean you know that, that that's just human nature well if you guys are looking for a story um you know you talked about marcus allen the Steelers have a safety linebacker named marcus allen um i, I wonder what life's like for him i mean these are the questions we debate on this show <laughs> Was well, he from we USC? just tried to talk him down from the cliff. That's <laughs> I, I think he was a Penn State. So much guy. debate. <laughs> yeah, he, he was a safety for Penn State, and the Steelers they're trying to make him the hybrid guy, which is fine. I'm sure Marcus is a great player. Uh, he's fighting for a spot in the team this year, but yeah, just he's got the same name, and I, I was a little confused. You think of Isaiah Thomas, who was uh, a stalwart for the Celtics and the Cavs, and obviously he had the same name. Uh, Chris, I don't know how much you know about Pittsburgh hockey, but the Steelers hired a quarterback coach named Mike Sullivan, the same name as the head coach of the Penguins. Oh, okay. I I didn't know that Sullivan was a coach of the Penguins. I did not realize there was a Steeler coach. Yeah. The demise of Chris Pugh will be in 15 years when a young kid named LeBron James and a young kid named Kobe Bryant face off in the NBA Finals. Chris will just implode on the spot. And obviously, it won't be LeBron's kid or. or well, there's a chance there could be LeBron Jr. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But but what would be weird is like some guy that had nothing to do with LeBron, other than the dopey dad was a big Cavs fan or something like that. Right, or the head-to-head LeBron versus Kobe thing in the uh, NHL finals. Yes. <laughs> or they're both they're both really good cyclists in the Tour de France. Like that's or that's where it gets weird. Like you're in an entirely different sport. How dare you have that name? This is how I prove that my would make the Tour de France a little more interesting. Though. It would. I'm not gonna lie. As long as he's not doping. That's well, true. This we don't need any more of that. Well, this is how cool I was. I was in speech and debate in high school. Uh, Chris, I don't think you were at the at the rep at '93, right? Uh, actually, I would have been. Yeah, I was part time. Oh. You, you could have covered speech and debate. You may have covered me in high school. but you know, I, I, can, but, I can tell you most definitely I did not cover speech and debate, but continue the story. <laughs> no, we actually, and this is an embarrassing story. I think I have it somewhere. Uh, there's actually, I can't remember her name, but some report, possibly writer came 
the state speech tournament, which I qualified for. Sorry, I'm humble bragging all over the place, but uh, it was at Glenoak High School. So the rep sent a feature writer. They ran to me, and I was actually in a journalism club at night. So they recognized me, and they're like, oh, can we talk to you? I was dead tired. I was slurring and everything. And whoever the writer was quoted me with my slurs, which made it sound like I had no idea what I was talking about because it was speech and debate, you know? It's one thing if I was the star quarterback for the team, but I caught so much flack for that. But I'm still in journalism. Look at me. But, you know, I was going to say – not speech and debate. Yes. We're I no mean, longer you, debating anyone other than could, us. There could be a kid named Kobe and LeBron that are facing off against each other in a, a debate final. Who knows? But hey, great episode of Community is when they the debate club has a match against a rival college. Just a little okay. community tip there. Well, my wife episode. is laughing in the background, remembering that episode. This is oh. a great episode. Oh my gosh, she, she is a so speech good. and debate alum as well. So. Oh, <laughs> who who she compete for? Uh, actually, Glenno. Glenno, okay, but a little later than you. Oh, oh yes, yes, okay. I know what you're talking about, so very good. Um, yeah, yeah. My, I was 93. I was Lincoln Douglas debate, man. Okay. I would never have thought that we would end up talking about Lincoln Douglas debate on a a show where we were talking about the Hall of Fame. So very good. Yeah, I I, know, I get wrapped up in these names, in Chris. I, I guess it's really big. But it was bit. funny. The Tribune Review, one of the papers out at Pittsburgh, they literally did a story. I think it was one of these ha-ha funny goofball stories. They actually went to Mike Sullivan, the quarterback coach, and asked him about being named the same as the Penguins coach. And I'm <laughs> like, I can't believe you know, it's a stupid podcast, silly topic. And actually a regular sports writer wrote about that. They so. stole our bit. Yes, they stole our bit. But it's actually you just a, do it. Yeah, it's actually a, a report. It, like Chris saying is um, Writer who's covering the Steelers that night to uh, stock down Marcus Allen and start questioning him about why he's named the same as the Raiders' Marcus Allen. I don't know. Isn't that our intellectual property now? <laughs> yes. Copyright. Yeah. No more Marcus like Allen. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Or, or call him somebody else. Like call him Mark Allen or, you know, like Mike Sullivan. No, it's Mikey or Michael. You know, you can change your name, right? Well, there's got to be more than a few Mike Sullivans roaming around, I'm guessing. <laughs> What? Probably quite a few cops. There, there was a time, and I can't remember when. I'm revealing way too much now. I once interviewed for a job with the repository in the sports department. If I got that job, which I didn't, maybe I would have had to go as Christopher. I mean, we've had two Chris's in the sports department. It would have been horrible. You know what I mean? You can't even have two of the same first name? You're, you're like, you, okay. you're first like way down now there. you're just. Anybody else named Chris? And no you're gonna... one with the same first initial as me. Never. <laughs> Chris, would you? if that would have happened, would you have taken the name Christopher? Well, if I had to go to Christopher. I think you'd have to go that route because I've I... almost never gone by that unless uh, I guess I was probably in trouble. Okay. Well, you were established. Christopher. Young man. Exactly. That tone. Yep, that's yeah. the one. <laughs> and, and you established as a rep at that time. Can you imagine our readers looking at Christopher Bevan byline? They'd be like, what? What's going on here? So – yeah, I don't know how many of our bylines the readers look at sometimes. Oh. <laughs> my my favorite guy, and this is how much of a dork I am. I used to watch, read the repository. We moved to Canton when I was like eight, and you know how eight year olds are doing other stuff to read the sports pages. I used to read the sports page. Did you ever work with a Rob the Wolf? Was that his name? Oh yeah, Rob the Wolf. He's a great guy. 
fascinating. One of my favorite stories, and I'm not sure when he wrote it. He did this series where he um, went to practices of all these high school yep. teams. Yeah, I remember football, that. girls softball. Oh, it was it was great. And it was back in the time where we didn't have video of stories. Man, if we did that today, it would have been fantastic. So, yeah, well, Rob was a former minor league uh, baseball player. Yeah. So. We don't have many Rob the Wolves walking through the door to, to, to do that type of thing. But, yeah, he was – actually, he worked uh, – he was the online editor at the Dispatch a few years ago. So Really? Okay. Yep. Very cool. Uh, Mark Craig, is he still covering the Vikings? Uh, he's a Hall of Fame voter. Really? Yeah. No. He but he's still covering the Vikings? He does. He does. Um, I should know which paper it is, but but it's, it's either the St. Paul or Minneapolis one. I believe the Minneapolis. But he's a, he's a Hall of Fame voter and uh, – you know, I'm, actually, I think I saw him because they they do that they do that online now. They stream it or something. I think I remember yeah. seeing him, you know present a guy or whatever. However, they do their process. I, I gotta send him an email or tweet them or something because I, I don't know if he'll remember me, but I remember the first game I covered. It was um, a Lions review. They sent me down Minerva to cover whoever Minerva was playing, and I took college classes about this, and I froze. I got in there. It's a if you, I don't know if you ever covered Minerva, Chris. Very well, I've been in. there. A, a dangerous yeah. walk up the stairs. I, oh I yeah, back of the press box. One of those wire stairs where you're like, God, I hope this thing's gonna stay. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's a Minerva game. I mean, it wasn't like they said go cover the Browns playoffs. I mean, it's like <laughs> go cover Minerva. Enough against Minerva, but it wasn't the biggest school ever in the world. And I froze. I literally the first couple minutes, I. I mean, it, it was a moment where I just sat there, and Mark, I think, was sitting by me. He kind of looked over. You okay? I'm like, <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm doing. You know, I, I, I'm sitting here going, I mean, I've read sports pages since I was eight, and I couldn't remember what a game story looked like or anything. And bless Mark's heart. I mean, Mark had other stuff to do with his life, and uh, Mark was covering Minerva football, which is kind of weird since he's a Hall of Fame bird now. But uh, all the credit in the world to Mark, because he sat with me, and for 10 minutes and give me a basic overview of how to do it. And I, I always respect him for that. It was great. So, yeah, no, Mark was a, when I was part-time, when he was full-time, he was a guy I learned a lot from. Now, which now today, if I was covering a game, someone asked me, I'd probably be like, no, you know, <laughs> suffer, you know, you'll learn somehow, but no, Mark was fantastic. All right. Well, Chris, anything else we should know about the whole thing or, or no, I think we've uh, we've hit it pretty well. I think it'll be a, a, a great event this year, and I think uh, you know I think it'll be good to see some of the the routine stuff we're used to in August taking place. I, I know you know people in the community are going to be real excited to get that going again, and and then uh, you know like I'd said at the top, football's off and running from that point on. Yeah, definitely, and obviously we talked about for the past hour the Hall of Fame coverage. I'm sure you guys got a lot of uh, high school football stuff planned, right? For <laughs> Uh, yeah, actually, that's uh, when I'm done with this. That's when I'm gonna start reading some of our stuff uh, for our advanced section. That uh, we we got a pretty early deadline on, and we'll we'll be that'll be in our papers uh, repository on um, August fifteenth. Uh, yeah, lots of good stuff and very interesting year. I mean, if you read the news pages of the rep, a lot of uh, things going off the McKinley football program. It'd be interesting to see how they bounce back, and it's going to be an interesting year for Stark County football again. So. Yeah, no, I think it'll be uh, a fun year. It, it It's never dull, let's put it that way. Let me ask Chris before we go, How are you on Twitter? Can we connect with you there? Uh, I am on Twitter, but okay. uh, I'm not very vocal on Twitter. Okay. 
Um, my, my brother-in-law one time had a great comment about keeping a low digital footprint. Yes. And uh, I've, I've, I've uh, kind of heeded that advice. Uh, I'm on there for work and, and occasionally to, to watch, uh, you know, somebody post some old heavy metal concert. But that's, uh, okay. <laughs> that's about it. Well, I, I, can lose, I can lose a lot of time on old Soundgarden shows or something like that. Oh, man. YouTube, I waste so much time. I, I, I'm watching lots of old concerts on YouTube. Yeah. So I know where Twitter, Twitter's the gateway drug into you know YouTube. Sixty minutes of you know <laughs> name a band from the eighties or nineties. Yeah. Oh, I, I was watching the other day. I have all these old Steelers games saved in the file. I was watching an old Steelers Saints Hall of Fame game with Howard Cassell. It was very strange because they played the games at noon or some weird time. But... They did. They played in the afternoon. I remember. Yeah. Watching it. Very old school and very strange. Well, hey, in case and we might have a Soundgarden fan out there, uh, can they connect with you somewhere? Is it just Chris Bevan? Oh, yeah, no, it's uh, C. Bevan and Rep, R-E-P. So right. my first initial, then B-E-A-V-E-N, R-E-P. Fantastic. All right, well, Chris, thanks so much. It was fun catching up with you. Come back anytime. We always love yeah, no, the sports. Um, Invite me whenever. Well, I'll try to brush up on some Steelers knowledge. For, for yes, very <laughs> yes, definitely. Well, we'll have you on our Behind the Steelers Curtain podcast. Where there you go. I, I, I'll try to do non-Hall of Famers next time. Yeah, it'll we'll be good. It's over the Mark Malone years. The yes. Mark Malone years, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to have Mark Malone on one of our shows. But, you know, hey, be political if you want. That's fine. But I looked at Mark Malone on Twitter. Oh, it's all political tweets. No, I, guess, I didn't even know that. Oh, <laughs> I just remember him as the guy that looked Tom Selleck and played quarterback for the Steelers. He is a – I'll put it this way. You know, hey, wherever you want to be politically, it's your business. I'm not going to – but he's very much into the a former president of ours. I mean, very much. Ah, as in, okay. I, I tweet 40 times a day about it. I'm like, I wish I had that time in life to tweet 40 times a day about anything, let alone <laughs> former presidents. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, no, right. it's, uh, it's uh, a privileged few of us have to have that much time. <laughs> yes, definitely. Well, Chris, thanks so much again. Sure. You have a wonderful night. Um, All right, guys. Appreciate it. Have fun. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. And thanks for checking out the Highland, everybody. We'll see you back next week. And check out our Behind the Steel Curtain podcast. Um, it, we're taping it tonight. It's going to air Saturday on the Behind the Steel Curtain Network. So have a great night, everybody. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high-impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope to learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.